0: Hello, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tepper's Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. Welcome to our podcast. I'm very excited to share the Word of God with you today, because according to Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I trust this message will increase your faith as you listen to what God has for you today. God bless and enjoy. All right, I'm going to share this message with you this morning. want to talk to you this morning about sanctuary what is a sanctuary glory it's important that we understand sanctuary from old testament and new testament perspective and you know this message is not uh designed to be a rebuke to anybody i know there's some people that had some concerns about watching uh the uh, Super Bowl in this room and playing cornhole. Uh, I'm not trying to rebuke anybody, but I want you to understand that I have a biblical uh, perspective. And the reason that I allow those things is because I I believe, I understand from Scripture what this place is. And I'm going to try to share that with you this morning. Sanctuary. Sometimes because of teachings or things that we uh, religious perspectives on things sometimes we have a a skewed uh, understanding of what God really wants for his people and it's very easy for us to fall into that we get traditional about things sometimes and uh, Jesus came to break down those traditions to set us free from those kind of things there was an an old pastor who had pastored for many years, and he turned his congregation over to a younger pastor, and he had moved away. And uh, one day, the younger pastor called him up, and he, he said, uh, Pastor, uh, we, have, we have a problem. He said, uh, the people are disgruntled with me when I serve communion. He said that I don't do it the way you did it. And the old pastor said, um, what do you mean? He said, well, did you always, this was an old church and it had those old registers, and, uh, or not registers, but uh, heaters on the wall that uh, were metal. And he said, the people said, did you always walked over and blessed the heater before you served communion? The old pastor just laughed. He said, I did that because we had carpet on the floor and I wanted to discharge the static electricity so I wouldn't shock anyone. But the people of the church were so ingrained in that ritual that they thought it was just part of communion. We cannot allow ourselves to be caught up with some kind of religious tradition. So we're going to talk about sanctuary this morning. Sanctuary versus temple. Exodus 25 verse 8 says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings just so you shall make it. Sanctuary is a place of refuge, a safety, uh, a house." Of safety. Sanctuary in the Hebrew is mikdash. It means a holy place. The tabernacle that it's talking about here was the tent or the dwelling place of the sanctuary that Moses commanded that they build while they were wandering in the wilderness. It was, uh, the tabernacle was to be taken, uh, set up and taken down because they were, they were nomads. They were wandering in this wilderness for many, many years, 40 years and more. Uh, and they were to take this sanctuary, this place of worship with them wherever they went. Tabernacle was the, the outside of it. And the sanctuary was mostly what was on the inside. Things that were around it. There was a, a, a fence that was built around it. So that was the outer court. Then there was an inner court. And then there was the most inner court. The holiest place. So there was several areas that um, constituted the, the tab. Tabernacle and the sanctuary. God's instructions to Moses was to build this this tabernacle for the sanctuary as a dwelling place for him. He would come down and minister through Moses to the people. And Moses would emerge with glory all over him. Because he had met with God. The people would see God as a fire. Or a cloud. They would experience the power of God. And rightfully so, they were fearful of the presence of God. Because someone who was unclean in a ritualistic perspective in the Old Testament did something wrong in the presence of God. It was a death sentence. You were gone. The priests who entered into the temple had to be ritualistically clean. In order to live when they went into the presence of God. After Moses, David wanted to build a temple. And God said, no, you're a man of war. You've got blood on your hands. But your son will build that temple for me. So he prepared. David did everything he could to prepare. And then Solomon built the temple. And from that point on, the temple was this place that housed the sanctuary. David, speaking to Solomon, he said this, Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you, this is 1 Chronicles 28.10, has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. I love that. Just be strong and do it. Everybody thinks that Nike came up with that slogan. But this is God's. Just do it. That's what he calls us to do. Be strong. And do it. As we can see the tabernacle. Uh, the temple house. The, the, the tabernacle and the temple house. The sanctuary. The old temple The Old Testament sanctuary is made of three main parts. So I just want to share this with you. It will be important as we go through this study. The courtyard, the holy place, and the most holy place where God's presence appeared. Now I want you to make sure you take note of those those three places as we continue with this. It will be important. In the temple, the inner sanctuary became known as the Holy of Holies. And it was the place where once a year, the high priest would enter in and make atonement for his sins and the sins of the people on the great day of atonement, Yom Kippur, great day of atonement for all the people. And once a year, if he entered in to that place, he had bells on his uh, garments And as he went about doing his duties, those bells would constantly ring. So they came up with this system that they would tie a rope around his leg. So if those bells stopped ringing, they knew that he had not entered into that place as holy as he was supposed to be, and he was dead. And the only way they were going to get him out was to pull on that rope and drag him out because no one dared go into that place it was a holy place thank God we don't live under the law any longer that's not something that we have to worry about so we'll come back to this a little later so let's look in order to understand the the sanctuary and the temple in the New Testament and we're going to talk about that in just a little while we also need to understand what praise and worship is all about. Psalms one fifty, verse one says, "Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty firmament." Praise in the Hebrew is halah, to make a show, to boast, and to thus be clamorous, foolish celebrate. Now, for most of us who are very conservative in the way we handle ourselves in public, this isn't very uncomfortable. Because what God is saying to us, every one of us, what pleases Him is when we act like Jerry and Ivy on Sunday morning. Some of you don't want to hear that. I know. But that's what he's saying clamorous. Boast. Boast. Celebrate the Lord our God. He is worthy to be praised. Yeah. Glory, to Glory. Lord in, this, it, in the Hebrew here is Yah. It's a short form of Yahweh or Yehovah. And the sanctuary, the mikdash, is the holy place. So, praise, what I want you to understand is praise and worship are part of the same thing. But, worship, praise is an expression of our worship of God, it's an outward expression. It's something that we sometimes, when we're surrounded by other people, are probably uh, less likely or more uh, concerned about what other people might think about us. And I'm right there with all the rest of you. I, I do that same thing sometimes. For instance, I'm a white boy. I don't dance very well. So, so if God speaks to me to dance, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> but listen, that's sometimes exuberant praise that God is pleased with. According to the Lord, David was a man after God's own heart. And in Psalms and many other places, particularly in Psalms, but in this Psalm that we're reading right now, Psalms 150. David teases, teaches us how to praise. Some of it. Now, there's many other ways to praise that he teaches us in the Psalms. But he goes on to say in Psalms 150, verse 2 through 6: Praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the flute, the lute, the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Praise is an outward expression of the inward worship that you feel toward God. Can it be faked? Oh, absolutely. People fake it. But sometimes, we have to go through the motions in order to get there, to get to real praise before we experience it. In other Psalms, David taught the praise and expression is expressed through shouting, through dancing, through clapping, through playing, through working. Praise is, ex- is expressed through every aspect of our life. Praise is, just flows out of us when we have a heart of worship. Because true worship can be happening when we come together in here, and some of us are raising our hands and and, uh, clapping and shouting. There can be other people sitting in here who are truly worshiping the Lord, but no one knows it, because it's inside. Now, that's okay, sometimes, but if that's the only way you can express your worship to God you're missing part of what he wants for you my grandsons i know they love me there's no doubt about it they show love and respect toward me and they would never have to even tell me that they love me but i want to tell you something it's really special to me as their papaw when we're in a a group setting when we're, we're in public, and my two grandsons, I haven't seen them for a day or two, and believe me, I see them all the time, and one pretty much lives with us. He goes to his house to visit. <laughs> but when they, they haven't seen me for a couple days, they don't seem to be embarrassed at all to come up and give me a hug and say, I love you, Papa." I believe that's what God wants when it comes to our praise of Him. He wants us to express it in some way. And I'm not trying to put you in any kind of a box and tell you that you have to praise God in a particular way. But I just want you to be free to praise the Lord when king david brought the ark of the covenant into jerusalem he was so excited about what was happening that the ark of god was now in the city of david and in jerusalem and when that happened he was dancing and shouting and praising god and his wife michel most of the time we call it we call her michael but hebrew michel Saw him out the window. She was embarrassed that he was praising the Lord. And David said, Well, if you think this is bad, watch me now. And he just danced all the harder and worshiped the Lord. Who do you think God was pleased with? The scripture is very clear. He was pleased with David, not his wife. We sometimes allow ourselves to get too caught up in what other people might think about us. When God is calling us to worship Him with a whole heart. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. I would submit to you that whatever you do is praise to the Lord as long as it's done biblically morally ethically you come let me tell you something you're all, you're going to do one of two things in your actions you're either going to worship the living god or you're going to worship yourself and a demon if you're not doing it to glorify God and God doesn't get the glory out of it, you're not serving God. It doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. That's why it's so important that we have a lifestyle that pleases our God. And we know that we can walk before our God wherever we go, whether we walk in these doors or we walk in our house or we walk in Walmart, that we have a clear conscience that our actions are dedicated to serving God. Worship. Let's talk about that a little bit. Exodus 34:14 For you shall worship no other gods for the God whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Worship in the Hebrew means to bow down, crouch, fall down, humbly do reverence. The English word worship comes from the old English worthship. It denotes the worthiness of the one receiving that special honor. So when we're worshiping God with a pure heart, no matter how it is, reading the Word, praying, quietly meditating, whatever, or raising our hands, clapping, dancing, whatever it is, it's because He's worthy for our special honor. So praise and worship are two aspects of the same thing. Praise is a form of worship. Only God and the worshiper knows that they're worshiping God most of the time, unless they're worshiping God with praise. Then everybody knows. Everybody sees. Everybody can join. That's why our corporate praise is so important, because we're doing this to Almighty God. We raise our hands, we clap, we shout, we dance, we do whatever we're doing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we love Him. And when we do this corporately, there is supernatural power that is released in the heavenly realm and all around us. That's why things like what happened with joy this morning can take place. That's why salvation can take place in the hearts of people because the Holy Spirit is moving. His unction is going forth and His anointing is touching the hearts of people. Worship doesn't always come naturally. Worship is something, it's a learned lifestyle. When you first become a believer in Jesus Christ, you have to learn to worship the Lord. And then you have to learn to praise Him. That also is a learned lifestyle. This is what David said about praise and worship. Psalms 34, 2 and 3. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt His name together. The soul realm must become disciplined to worship the Lord. Now, this is, this is a teaching in and of itself, but I want to make sure that everybody understands this. We are spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. This body, as we're going to see, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But all three of these realms are supposed to be United in praising and worshiping God. We are one, uh, we are a triune being that is one, just like our God is. When you are born again, your spirit is born again. And through this new birth, now your mind, your mind, will, and emotions are now set by the Spirit of God to be renewed, to be changed. There's some supernatural change that comes in our minds, our mind, will, and emotions immediately when we receive Christ as as our Savior. But I can tell you there's a lot more that has to take place inside of us as we grow and learn in the Lord as we apply His Word. That's what Romans tells us. In Romans 12, 1, Beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. What are we presenting to God? Not an not a earthly sanctuary, a room. We're presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice holy holy and acceptable to God that's our reasonable service be holy and acceptable to Him and that's not supposed to just happen on Sunday mornings that's supposed to happen every day of the week every hour of the day every moment that you breathe So what are we presenting? It says bo- our bodies. Romans 2. And do not be what conformed to a world. This world that we live in. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable. And perfect will of God. When you renew your mind. In, with the word of God. It will protect you and help you to worship and praise the Lord with every action of your life. Are you going to make mistakes? Absolutely you will. But you are going to be on track with God. When you do make those mistakes, you're going to recognize it. you're going to repent and you're going to move forward with the Lord. And you're not going to let the enemy hinder you. in your efforts to worship God Let's look at the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. During Jer- Jesus' time on earth, the temple and the sanctuary were still in operation. Jesus, the temple, it was a beautiful edifice that Herod had built. That it started out as a small building that was built by Zerubbabel and uh, uh, the high priest at that time, Joshua. And it was a small building, but when Herod came along, he started building onto it. So it became, once again, a very wonderful and beautiful edifice just like it was in Solomon's day. Probably not quite as elaborate, but it was still very beautiful. The The writings concerning the temple... Uh, say some incredible things about it and how beautiful it was and how it, when, you walk, when you came over the, the mountaintop and it gleamed in the sunshine, it was just such a beautiful building. So, during that period of time, Jesus was on the face of the earth. And up till this time, the worshipers had to follow the law of Moses. Men had to be circumcised Animals had to be sacrificed and the Moedim or the feasts of the Lord had to be followed year after year after year. And those feasts were meant to be a teaching tool to learn about the coming Messiah. This is the Old Testament covenant. Jesus came along and He changed things. His disciples were amazed by the beautiful temple. And Jesus said, tear it down and in three days I'll rebuild it. Now they didn't know what he was talking about. But we now know that he was talking about the temple of the Holy Spirit at that time. And that was him. He had the Holy Spirit. He was a precursor to the the church being filled with the Spirit of God that individuals being filled with God's Spirit. He told the religious leaders even in John 2.19, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And he certainly did exactly what he said he would do. Yes. 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 Hello, yes, give him glory. He, be, he deserves it. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. This is the first hint we have that the Jewish temple was no longer the sanctuary of God. We know He was talking about His body. We know that eventually He was talking about the body of Christ. We also know that another thing happened that during while Jesus' uh, death on the cross, there was an earthquake and the, the veil that separated man from the holy place where God came to visit mankind, the veil was split down the middle, signifying that no longer was there a separation between man and God. Ah. Our High Priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is enthroned beside His Father. And because of that, he makes intercession for us, night and day. Oh, yes. Glory. 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 The Apostle Paul makes it abundantly clear, First Corinthians three sixteen, that we are now. This body is the temple. And the sanctuary is in our heart. Yes. Amen. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Or do you not know that your body is the temple? This is 619. It's 1 Corinthians 619. Temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. And you are not your own. Glory. That's awesome. We're not our own. We are We are controlled when we allow Him to, by the Spirit of God. We are the temple of God. And the most holy sanctuary is in us. Therefore, this building that we call church, which it's not, we are the church, that we call church is just a building. It's a wonderful building and we're thankful that God has allowed us to have this building. I want you to know I'm amazed every time I walk in the doors what God has done here. It wasn't my plan. I didn't have this plan. God did. God came up with this. All we did was just... Line upon line and precept upon precept. Do what he, we felt he wanted us to do. And we walked in the steps and the, the ways that he ordered. And he opened doors. Incredible things. And I'm so thankful for this place. But this is just a building. And it's going to fade away. But the temple of the Holy Spirit is going to live forever sanctuary I already stated that worship is a lifestyle every day no matter what you're doing praising in in some way where we would normally consider praise working giving playing fellowship with others it's all worship it's all part of who we are and what God has created us to be. Everything we do falls in to that category of worshiping our God. We're either worshiping Him or desecrating Him. Be careful how you live your life. A worshiper is someone who has learned the daily discipline of submitting your total life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. John 4:24 says this, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So let me summarize this message. Under the old covenant there was a physical temple, a sanctuary inside of that temple. Under the new covenant We are the temple housing the sanctuary. And our worship is expressed through everything that we do. Everything. You can't separate. You see, we can't have this Greek mindset where we compartmentalize our life. We can't have this church life and then this secular life and then this family life and our work life doesn't work that way yeah, that's right. the hebrews don't think that way you know we have been given this or handed down this roman think uh, uh roman greek thinking that we can compartmentalize our life it's not it's, it's absolutely not true yeah. to the jewish mindset um a day's work is as much worship as coming to this place and raising your hands So, no matter what you do, where you are, God expects your worship. It's not confined to Sunday morning. It's not confined to connect groups. It's not even confined to our unplugged service. It's expressed when we live our lives. To serve the living God. And yes. I want you to understand. I believe we should reverence this place. Just like we should reverence our home. And sanctify and consecrate it to the Lord. I would never do anything in this place. That I wouldn't do in my home. But I want you to know. I watched the Super Bowl in my home. I play games with my children, my grandchildren in my home. I do things that may not seem like it's it's really worship, but it is. Because I do it as unto the Lord. I would never do, in my home, we don't have alcohol. Because I don't drink alcohol. I'm not telling you that you're going to go to hell if you drink a beer. But you're more likely to get there if you keep drinking it a lot sooner than you should. I've never seen anything good come from people drinking alcohol. I just want you to know where I stand on this. I won't condemn you. If you feel like you're going to drink socially, that's between you and the Lord. But you better think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Are you doing it to get a buzz? To maybe feel better about your situation? Think about it. No matter what you do, do it as unto the Lord. What a mighty God we serve. I try my best to worship the Lord wherever I am and whatever I'm doing. Marshall and I was watching a, a movie the other night. It's a movie that I thought, hey, this looks like a pretty good movie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it. We started watching it, and there was a couple words that, you know, curse words we would call them. Uh, anything that does not glorify the Lord, you know, sometimes we substitute words that we think are more appropriate instead of saying hell when we're upset. We say heck or darn or something like that, and that's how I kind of grew up. That's the way my dad dealt with sometimes his frustration, and I'm, I'm not condemning my dad. He was a good, good man. But I want to tell you something: that substituting those kind of things, that it's just the same. All we're doing is releasing our frustration. I'm I'm really stepping on some toes this morning, right? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> boy. And I'm, let me tell you, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. So I have to repent. <laughs> Praise God. But anyhow, we were watching this movie, and they used a couple words. And I said, yeah, you know, Marshall, we may have to turn this movie off. It went a little further, and the, bo- the, the line where I had to draw the line is when they used the Lord's name in vain. Okay. Shut it off. Man, we were were deep into that movie and my flesh was saying, you don't want to do this. You want to watch this whole movie. And I did. But I said, Marshall, we got to turn this off. He didn't change words with me. We just turned it off and did something else. Because in my home, it is extremely important that I glorify God. And I train my children, my grandchildren, that there are boundaries that we do not cross. I want you to know, when I watch the Super Bowl in my home, I typically do not watch the halftime show because it has become so blatantly um, Satanistic that I don't want that in my home. Now, I don't, I'm not sure that it was at this time. I, I haven't heard anything. But in the past, it surely has been. So I'm not going to, to allow that to come into my house. We turned it off, just like we did here. Turned it off. We continued to enjoy our fellowship as we worship the Lord, fellowshipping together. And then we turned it back on. I'm sharing this with you because I know people have some concerns and I love every one of you. I want you to know, I may not change your mind and I'm, I'm not very good at debating and arguing things. I just know what I believe. And I believe that what I'm saying about this building, has been it, God gave it to us to use in every aspect. We've had weddings here. We've had funerals here. We've had parties here. We've done all kinds of things in this place. And we guard against desecrating it. We want it to be reverenced. People would say to me, Well, Pastor, what about Jesus running the money changers out of the temple? And that's, I, I understand that. that. That's a good point. But let me tell you, let me give you some reality about that particular situation. Jesus said, My Father's house is a house of prayer. And you have made it a den of thieves. What He was talking to those people about was the reality that they were taking advantage of the common people. They were forcing people to buy uh, their sacrifices. That they were going to sacrifice to Almighty God. This was during a feast time when there were thousands of people there. And the priests and those who were selling animals, were. They um, I liken it unto, and I've used this analogy before, I liken it unto modern day uh, going to a college basketball uh, football game or a professional football or basketball game. And when you go there, they don't want you to take any of your own snacks or drinks in because they want you to pay three times as much for their drink, their popcorn, their sandwiches. That's what was happening in the temple. They were taking advantage of people. And let me, I want you to understand, Jesus is all about People. Not places. He's all about people. And not people not being taken advantage of. People uh, being able to freely have relationship with Him and with one another. And here's the other thing about this. Jesus, I told you I was going to come back to this. There's three main areas of the, the sanctuary. The courtyard... holy place and the most holy place Jesus was in the courtyard when that happened when he drove the money changers out that would be like saying you cannot if if we're going to go by this scripture and not be able to do anything in this facility then we cannot have any kind of parties or any kind of activity Not just in other parts of this building, but on this grounds. Because it's the outer sanctuary. We don't believe that. This is not the outer sanctuary. This is the temple of God. This is the outer sanctuary around me. This is the holy of holies in my heart. I believe if we treat this building as a sanctuary to be consistently spiritual about it, we just have to be very careful that we do anything other than just come here and do what we're doing on Sunday morning. This building is not the sanctuary. We must not revert back the law and treat this place like Leviticus 19.30 tells us to treat the sanctuary you shall keep my Sabbath and reverence my sanctuary I am the Lord if that still stands then we're worshiping on the wrong day you can't make this the sanctuary and not worship God on Saturday. Because that's, that's the Sabbath. But we know in the New Testament. That we have been set free. From the Sabbaths. And the observance of the law. So the day that we set aside. To worship the Lord. Is a holy day to us. Breaking the Sabbath was very serious in the Old Testament. The 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? He's talking about us. For you are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The model for the New Testament building that we are in we call the church, is not the temple. The model that we have always had is the the synagogue that the Jews would uh, come together and worship God in. And these synagogues were in different cities all over the area wherever the Jews lived. And they established them as sinners, cultural centers to be able to minister to each other and minister to the community. And they did all kinds of things in these synagogues. Marriage, parties, celebrations. They even came together and danced and played and enjoyed their fellowship with one another. It's the synagogue that we have a pattern for the New Testament church. Not the temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Sanctuary. I make this perfectly clear. I hope you understand. The sanctuary is in our heart. Therefore, we should live by this rule. This is bottom line. If you're doing anything... Anywhere that you would be ashamed to do in this building, you shouldn't be doing it. I want that to sink in. Because I've heard people, and most of the time they're just joking. "Don't Don't lie, you're in church. Well, yeah, that's true. Don't lie anywhere. That's some of that crazy thinking that we have. But if you can do it with a clear conscience, any place, you can do it here with a clear conscience. And I can't. That's why we can have a Super Bowl party. That's why we can che- clear the chairs out of this place. We designed it so we could come in here and just have a good time together. That's part of our worship. Let me put it in context if I can tell you. It depends on what we're doing in this place. If we're here doing what we were doing, what we're doing right now, it would be wrong for anyone, don't care how old you are. It's wrong for you to be playing a game on your phone or on the the web, browsing it. Because we're doing something here. That is designed to worship God. If we're having fellowship. Enjoying each other's company. Playing games. Having good clean fun. I think it's wrong to impose any kind of religious restriction. As long as we do it as unto the Lord. God gave us this facility to worship Him, enjoy fellowship with one another. There are absolutely no New Testament restrictions on how this building can be used. That's a fact. We don't live under the law. Psalms 147 verse 11 says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who who hope in His mercy. I have hope in His mercy every day of my life. I'm going to leave you with this. Religion says try, but the gospel says trust. Religion says pay me what you owe. The gospel says I'll pay what you owe. Religion says live for God. The gospel says, live through God. Religion says, obey the law. but gospel says, obey the Lord. Religion says, do. But the gospel says, done. Religion says, attain righteousness. The gospel says, accept righteousness in Christ. Religion says my way is the right way. The gospel says God's way is the only way. Religion says salvation is in a formula. Boy, have we seen that. The gospel says salvation is by faith. Religion says believing something, believe something. But gospel says receive something. Receive salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel says. Stand with me this morning. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church, Teppers Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.